0: Wapaknaz is Love People, Loving People to Jesus, and it takes people to partner with us to be on mission and bring this message to our community, the region, and the world. If you would like to financially partner with Wapaknaz to love people to Jesus, join us by going to our website at wapaknaz.org and becoming a financial partner. We thank you, we pray for you, we love you, and enjoy the message. I'd like to introduce to you Dr. Michael. Well, uh, for those of you that that don't know, uh, our friend and our brother in Christ, Stuart Van Dyne, passed away this week. And uh, that's whose life we're celebrating tomorrow. Cridersville Church of the Nazarene has opened their doors to allow us to honor Stuart there. And uh, uh, that's the the family that we're going to bless and we're going to love on tomorrow and minister to in the fellowship hall. Uncanny story, um, Stewart's wife, Cheryl, had only seen this guy like one time and he showed up late to the ER. I called him. was on my way and he peeked his head in and came in and Cheryl looked at him and said, what can I do for you? How can I help you? And the rest of the room looked at each other and she said, you're the doctor, right? I said, yes, he's our intern. So, this is Dr. Michael, ladies and gentlemen, without a degree. And so, he, he's been our intern. Uh, he, he's been back about a week and a half, two weeks. And, and man, I, I just want to say, I, I'm really, really uh, proud of you for stepping into places that you've not stepped into before. And he's, he's doing exactly what we call you to do, is to be risk takers, to step into places that you don't step into, that you've never been there, because God will show up in that moment. So today, uh, Michael's going to bring the Word of God today. So uh, I'm going to pray for him, but I'm also going to pray for you that you stay awake. I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. (laughs) Father, we thank you for uh, moments like this. The worship hasn't ended. The worship continues. It continues with our attention. It continues with our focus. It continues with us being learners at the feet of Jesus Christ and the word of god and so today um, we're hearing the words of michael but i'm asking that your spirit continue to speak into our soul and that we are people that are obedient to what it is you speak will you anoint this guy breathe your peace into his soul and just let his heart come out with humility it's in your name we ask jesus amen
1: I'm going to apologize beforehand for any sneezes. Can you hear me now? <laughs> I'm going to apologize for any sneezes, coughs, or sniffles that occur. I've been a little congested the last two weeks. Um, but it's been, it's been nice to, to be back. Um, I was in Israel for a month, um, and it's nice to be back serving, serving alongside you guys, and being with my family, who is all in the second row. Um, but yeah, Israel. It was it was great. If you guys have any opportunity to go, def- I would definitely suggest going to Israel. Um, it's it's a wonderful place. The weather is fantastic. Hardly any humidity. That's that was nice. Um, the people. Most of the people are friendly, um, especially at the touristy areas. Um, I think the best place for me though was was Shiloh. Um, there. Um, there was the tabernacle. Uh, it was the city that held the tabernacle for three hundred and sixty-nine years. Um, a lot of amazing stories there um, in the uh, book of Judges and the book of um, Samuel. Um, but yeah, it was just—it was just a really peaceful place. Um, just aspects of God's spirit still residing in that city. Um, it was just—it was fantastic. Um, But I was only doing some touristy stuff for about a week and a half. The real reason I had gone there uh, was to be an archaeologist, to be Indiana Jones in the 21st century, although I did not get a girl. I already have a wonderful lady. Um, I didn't get any golden treasure or crystal skull or anything like that. Um, We were there to play in the dirt, Stephen likes to say. and the point—the point of biblical archaeology, anyways—it's not to f- find things in uh, in any specific reason, uh, but it's just see what's going on, see what's going on in the civilizations of the biblical time period, see how they lived, who these people were. Maybe find a little treasure, um, especially in this where we were at. We were in the city of uh, Hatsor. Uh, it's in the northern district of Israel. It's above the Sea of Galilee. It's actually mentioned twice in the Bible. It's mentioned uh, in the book of Joshua. It was the, during that time, it was the chief city of all of, all of the nations. It was this massive city for its time. It was 200 acres, which in their, their time, it would be comparable to New York or London or L.A. or Tokyo, just massive cities that were really influencing the culture Around them, um, Joshua rose up against them, defeated them. Uh, there was another. Ooh. <laughs> uh, there was another uh, rise up again from hot against Israelites, um, and then in the Book of Judges, uh, Deborah and Barak actually um, leveled the city. They believed then that that was the last time a city really had lived had lived there in that area. And so the first, the first week of, of the dig, it was hard. Uh, we spent 40 hours from 5 a.m. to 1 p.m. every day for five, week, for, for five days, digging nothing. We found absolutely nothing in that first week. We moved about uh, 600 square feet of dirt and found nothing. It was wonderful. I loved it so much. <laughs> Getting dirty and sweaty and gross just to find nothing. That oh, was wonderful. I shouldn't have worried about it, I guess. <laughs> and uh, the, that Friday, that first Friday, my area supervisor, he's, uh, he was in, char- he wasn't in charge of the entire dig, but he was in charge of a collection of, of squares, and squares are where we dig, uh, we, we dig down. He was in charge of um, five, I think, and he came over and he said, Michael, you found nothing. Thanks, I didn't know that. He said, well, next week you can come in and stay here and keep digging nothing, or We can move you to a different square. And there was actually another square about 30 feet away that had found a lot of something. They had found kind of like this trash heap of pottery. And it wasn't just like little tiny pieces of pottery that I collected. That was the only stuff that we had found or um, little bits of pottery that Stephen might have shown you guys. But they were the complete vessels, like full vases, full bowls, just the entire thing. It was pretty cool. I said, ah, maybe I could find something. And so I stayed there, the 90-degree heat, really, really sweaty, really sore and exhausted from putting in almost 40 hours of swinging a pickaxe. I thought, let's go somewhere else. Let's, let's go on a treasure hunt. Let's find something. Now, I wonder if every choice we're offered is an either-or decision. Is every choice we're given actually a yes or a no, or a party, or this other party? Is it actually only two options? The world likes to give us a bunch of options. Or I guess they like to give us a bunch of decisions we can make with only two options. But often in life, there's normally at least a third option. There's at least something else that we could have done or something else that we could be doing. I think it's because there's two ways to look at a decision, either a cost or an investment. And I think we often look at our decisions as costs, where we're, we're putting in a lot of something, to put in a lot of something. But if we shift our mindset to an investment, then when we put something in, we know that in the future, we'll get something back. I think also, it's because we see the options as easy or hard. We immediately gravitate towards the easy decision or the hard decision. Either, as Stephen said earlier, either as the easy wrong or the hard right. Maybe the easy answer isn't easy because it's the most obvious. But it's the simplest. We like simple. We like not having to worry about too much. We like not having to have a lot of going going-ons in our life. Maybe it's because we're tired of fighting for the, the hard answer. We're tired of putting something in every single day and getting nothing back. Maybe we're getting impatient for the return of our investment. But I think the most impactful, most devastating reason for why we take the easy choice is because we don't see that there is an investment in our decisions because we don't see that far into the future. And for me, while I was standing in the hot sun, with sweat rolling down my face and my back, I saw the choices given to me as meaningless to the rest of my life. So insignificant of a choice that it didn't matter what I did because it was just archaeology. I just wanted to find some treasure. But it reminds me Of two very clear options that Jesus presents us with. While he's, for us, the Sermon on the Mount, for him, it was just a sermon. We flip to to Matthew 7. He presents us with two very clear options Matthew 7, verses 13 and 14. Enter through the narrow gate. For wide is the gate and broad is the road that leads to destruction and many enter through it. But small is the gate and narrow the road that leads to life and only a few find it. The choices there are clear, narrow or wide. The question is, What even is the white gate? If many find it, it must be easier to go through it. But why does it lead to destruction? Why is it this bad thing? Why is it that Jesus says at the beginning of verse 13, enter the narrow gate? Well, if we look back the footsteps of Adam and Eve, they ask the question, do I trust God, or do I trust my instincts and my experiences? When we enter through the wide gate, we're answering that question the same way Adam and Eve did. No. We answer the question is God good, true and right? And we answer it with no. Cuz when we take the wide gate, it takes us further and further and further away from God who made us and loves us. Brings us out of relationship and out of love. And it comes from a place of our own desires in our hearts, our sinful desires in our hearts. Maybe the call to the white gate comes from the sounds of our own greed, our own desires for sexual interactions, our own desires for pride, or maybe it's just to make a funny joke. But the white gate is easy because it feels right. It feels like the right option and the good choice to make because it's easy. And it silences the voices in our head arguing with God, saying, no, I know what to do. I I know what's right. The way that you're calling me, that's, that's not it. But that voice that's arguing with God isn't the only voice that gets silenced. Because God's voice also gets silenced with it and also becomes much more unclear and more muddy. We don't know what God's asking us anymore because we're not listening because we can't hear it. The path to this gate is straight and clear. Why? Because when we're going in a straight line, when we're driving down the road, we don't have to do much, right? We don't have to turn the wheel that much. It's easy. We don't have to think about what we're doing because we're just going straight. It's wide and it's downhill because we have plenty of room to make mistakes and bounce all over the place and not put any effort into what we're doing with our lives. We're just cruising. We're just going with the flow. We're just, we're just living. And we seem free. I say seem free because we're not actually free. Because on, on the outside, we're showing the world, yeah, I'm having fun. Woo! I'm doing what I want to do. But on the inside, our soul becomes a, a whirlwind, a storm of, of churning waters and crashing waves. We're lonely and we're depressed. We're incomplete. enslaved by ourselves in our own sinful desires. So back back in Hot the sun was beaten down, sweat was rolling down. I tell Golan, yeah, I think I think I want to be moved. I want to find some treasure. I want to find I want to find this massive piece of basalt stone carved out like a lion as there had been some found already in that area. I wanted to find some treasure. They said, all right, next week we'll move you, we'll put you in a different square, just finish out the day. So we finished the day, we finished 600 square feet of moving dirt. We swung our five pound pickaxe for another five hours. But when you're doing archaeology, there's really only one thing you can do other than swing a pickaxe, it's to think. It's to just sit in your, in your own thoughts, in your own uh, processes, and the same thought kept coming in my head. Every, every time the pickaxe landed in the dirt, every time a piece of this clay dirt came out, the same question kept coming up. Who do I want to be? It kept swinging. I kept swinging. We get through coffee break and I kept swinging. We get through our breakfast break and I kept swinging. And I had the realization that the choices I make today influences the choices I make tomorrow and the next day and the next month and the next year and the next Whatever. Every choice I make today eliminates other choices for tomorrow and the next day. And eventually, there's just a path of choices that takes me to who I want to be in life. And it reminds me of Peter in his second letter. Um, second, first and second Peter, were, was, they were both letters written to uh, a group of churches throughout the Roman Empire and located in five different regions um, and located in modern-day Turkey. And he was helping them how to deal with false teachings, persecution, and encouraging them to pursue holiness. So we find ourselves in Second Peter chapter 1, verse 3. His divine power has given us everything we need for a godly life through our knowledge of him who called us by his own glory and goodness through these he has given us his very great and precious promises so that through them you may participate in the divine nature having escaped the corruption and the world caused by evil desires peter's reminding us okay this is who you want to be you have the tools to do it He's reminding us that that storm feeling in our life, that corruption and that death and destruction in our lives, we don't have to follow it anymore because he's already taking care of it and he's giving us the power to take care of it with him. Reminding us that we're going to be a people that are powerfully and gracefully transformed by God to be rescued out of death and destruction caused by sin. We continue in verse 5. For this very reason, make every effort to add to your faith goodness, and to goodness knowledge, and to knowledge self-control, and to self-control perseverance, and to perseverance godliness, and to godliness mutual affection or brotherly love, and to mutual affection love. Now Peter's saying, okay, I've shown you and reminded you who it is you're trying to be. Now here are the, here are the building blocks for how that happens. Here, here's the way that you get to who you want to be. Not that it's a process or a step-by-step guide, but he's giving us the supplies to make sure that we know how to build our life. Like the song we sing today, to build my life in Christ, who is our firm foundation. He begins with faith. Why? Because faith is the way that we enter into our relationship with God. Once we have faith, we recognize God in our life and we say, yeah, I, I want that in my life. I want a relationship with you. He says, okay, now step into goodness. What is goodness? Goodness is when we choose to do the right thing, even when it's hard. When we choose to do what's best for society and creation and for those around us to bring love into their lives. Then then he challenges us to learn this certain knowledge. Now, this knowledge isn't an intellectual knowledge. It's not something you can go to college for and get. It's, It's two other types of knowledge. It's this wisdom and a relationship. It's wisdom. It's something that we learn over time, right? We say, we say people with gray hair have a lot of wisdom. Look at my dad. <laughs> it's something you learn through time, through the gifts of God's life. But this knowledge is also relational. It's one thing to say, I know Sylvester Stallone from the Rocky movies, and it's another thing to say, I know Stephen Ambrose because I spend 40 hours a week with him, sadly. <laughs> it's, this, it's that kind of knowledge. It's that you have to spend time to get to know someone. And it's the same, it's the same way Peter uses it earlier in verse, um, verse 3. It's that same type of knowledge in verse 3, that relational knowledge of God, not the, I know of the gospel, but I know who the gospel is. He then says, okay, now learn to control yourself, learn to have self-control, choosing to ignore the sinful desires in our hearts, in our minds, in our lives, and choosing the desires of God's heart, choosing God's love and his mercy and his justice. He then says, okay, now you guys also need to love one another, the church. you got to love yourself. Why? Because the church, the church is telling the world what the world is doing is wrong. What does the world do? The world argues with itself all the time. But what is the church also doing today? The church is also arguing with itself all of the time. He's saying, guys, your ministry and your effect on the world is constantly diminished by your inability to get along with one another. To show the world, yeah, we actually have something different, and we want you to be a part of it. Come into our community, but what's happening is we're living in disunity. And finally, he says, grow into love. Grow into God's love. Ooh, that was loud. Sorry about that. He's saying, guys, God's love is not just for God. We, are, we reciprocate God's love back to God and then through other people. We're a channel of God's love to one another, to serve them, to love them, to let them know that, yeah, things might not be okay right now, but we're here for you. We're going to love you. Like I said at the beginning, this, this, this list is not a progressional step-by-step thing. But it's a, how do you build your life? Because the things that we learned, the things that we learned and the traits that we have that uh, Peter mentioned, they come at their own time. They don't come all at once and they don't come progressionally where it's you learn faith and then goodness and then yada, yada, yada. It's, yeah, right now I'm learning this. But in the past I was learning about that. It's a constant learning and a constant growth into who Jesus is. We continue in verse 8. For if you possess these qualities in increasing measure, they will keep you from being ineffective and unproductive in your knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ, in your relationship with Jesus. But whoever does not have them is nearsighted and blind, forgetting that they have been cleansed from their past sins Therefore, my brothers and sisters, make every effort to confirm your calling and election. For if you do these things, you will never stumble. And you will receive a rich welcome into the eternal kingdom of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. Peter's reminding us that, guys, with these traits, we're going to be those productive and efficient fruit-bearing branches that Jesus calls us to. We're not going to be cut off and thrown into the fire like those that are inefficient and are unproductive. We're going to be able to further the kingdom of God because we're productive because we are being the hands and feet of Jesus. But when we're not, and we're saying, Jesus is who I want to be, what we do is we forsake our conversion. We forsake the image of who we're going to be Ultimately, we forsake the sacrifice of Jesus. We forsake that that moment on that tree when Jesus died for all of us, for our sins to be cleaned, so we can re-enter relationship with God. We forsake that moment. Peter's begging us to choose the narrow gate and continue growing in who we're supposed to be. Now, as I said, as I was digging in Israel, who do I want to be kept popping up in my head. And as the sweat was constantly dripping down my neck and my back, so too was who do I want to be kept dripping in my head. And as the heat kept telling me, no, go to a different square, and as my muscles were saying, could we stop, please? I realized that the person I wanted to be had integrity and that they wanted to get the job done that was laid before them. So I went to Golan at the end of the day, and I said, Golan, I know I told you I wanted to be moved, but I want to stay. And he looked at me like I just said, yeah, I just saw a goat and a sheep and a rabbit all talking to each other in tongues. And he said, why in the world would you want to do that? I said, well, I I want to be a man of integrity. And the choices I make today are going to turn me into that man eventually. I just have to keep choosing the right choice, the narrow gate. He said, well... That's your choice. See you Monday. Jesus asks us, which path are we going to take? Are we going to take the wide gate, the easy road, the square that has all the pottery and treasure? Are we going to choose the narrow gate, the hard right, to continue digging down? By the way, by the time we left Israel, that square got down to about 11 feet. So, that was pretty cool. And we found some walls. So, did find some treasure eventually. The hard path requires us to invite God into our life because we can't make the change ourselves. If we could make the change ourselves. Jesus would not have needed to die. Jesus would not have needed to be our sacrifice. But generation after generation after generation, we've learned we can't do it on our own. But we have to invite him in, because God's love isn't a love that's forced upon anyone. God's love is invited in. God's change is invited in. Maybe you've been choosing the narrow gate for a while now. Maybe the narrow gate's getting too hard, though. Maybe you're getting tired and tired and tired of fighting that same addiction or that same thing every single day, and you're ready to give up. But don't give up. On the other side of giving up is breakthrough. When times are the worst and times are the hardest is when God is ready to meet you, and to strengthen you, and to give you rest. He's there waiting in love and grace. When all hope feels lost, and the strain on our body and our mind and our soul is getting too much, on the other side of that is God. It's a God of love and mercy. Maybe you're listening wondering, what does this have to do with me? So far, you've just been talking about becoming like Jesus. Who said, I wanted to become like Jesus. Maybe you're saying to yourself, why would I want to become like Jesus? But aren't you tired? Aren't you exhausted? Aren't you wondering when everything inside of you is going to calm down? When the storm inside of you is finally going to cease and the waters will be still? Are you ready for freedom? Aren't you ready for no more pain, no more loneliness? Aren't you yearning for a time when you can just relax and sit? To be held by someone you know has truly loved you since you were ever created. To be held by someone who always has the best in store for you. I'm telling you that Jesus has that for you today, tomorrow, and forever. But you have to invite him in. Jesus wants to take your pain and your sorrows, but you have to let him in. Jesus wants to give you rest, but you have to let him make you a bed. Jesus wants to give you love and hope, but you have to let him in. You have to give him the room in your heart and your life to reside in your heart and your life so that change can be done with our assistance, with our participation. We need God's love and God's change in our life, but we have to give him that room. He wants you. And he loves you. Will you pray with me? Lord, we, we thank you for all of the opportunities you give us to grow and to learn. We thank you for being able to come in together to worship. And Lord, we just ask that you would continue to give us strength and hope and love. And that you would be with us throughout this week. Remind us, who do I want to be? We love you. Amen.
0: Thanks, man. Oh, sorry. Didn't mean to wake you up. <laughs> Actually, I did. <laughs> oh. Hey, thank you, brother. Appreciate you. Man, so you did find something, right? Found some
1: jewelry. And wa- found some jewelry um, well, a little earring and uh, a little bead, probably, for a bracelet. And then about five walls. So, walls, walls like.
0: Walls. walls. Who doesn't like to be a treasure hunter? I mean, seriously, X marks the spot. That was a lot of work for nothing. <laughs> However, as he said, there is a payoff as you can do in, continue to invest. And so, hey, thank you for continuing to love the Lord your God with all your heart. I know there are some days that are really difficult to do that. Thank you for choosing the narrow gate Because your shepherd, the good shepherd, is leading you through that gate. Would you please stand this morning? Well, or this afternoon? Is it like 2 o'clock? Is it 2 o'clock? So a couple things that that I want to remind you of. Uh, One, uh, if you have not had an opportunity to write Scripture or your name or your prayer or your hopes and dreams on the concrete, because if you read the end of that Sermon on the Mount, what we call the Sermon on the Mount, Jesus talks about the foundation. So you know what? We're going we're, we're gonna to allow you a, one more opportunity just to go ahead and, and write a scripture on the floor. Write a verse on the floor. Something meaningful. Maybe in a place that was meaningful to you. Please don't write it on the carpet because it's new. <laughs> Appreciate that. A couple other things. The chairs that you're sitting in. Um... Well, now, not sitting in, um, could you please be helpful, grab a chair if you're capable and able, and take it out into that back lobby right there, because they're going to come back in and and lay stuff down. And then lastly, once all that's done and all the kids are out of the fellowship hall, if you would still like to to lend a hand today, um, Miss Sandy over here is going to be in the fellowship hall, kind of setting a couple things up. Would you mind just lending two or three minutes to help her out with that, so that everything's set up? Did I get it? Is that what you were thinking? I was read. Man, the spiritual gift of reading your mind. I don't have it. Okay, Please yeah, know that no one has that. But hey, I want to say thank you. Read, so you're okay. All right. All right. <laughs> love the Lord your God with all your heart, your mind, your soul, and your strength. Please love your neighbor as yourself. We'll see you next week. We love you guys, and we're praying for you. Have a great day. Thank you for listening to the Wapaknas podcast. We hope you are moved deeply to step into God and the hope and future He has for you, and that you are moved to be salt, light, and yeast in your community and to love people to Jesus.